0: Deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators.
1: Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. While we've been discussing bracketology for weeks, it's officially make-or-break time for Dorian Finney-Smith and this group of Gators as they head to the SEC tournament. With that in mind, we decided to get the latest word on the orange and blue straight from the horse's mouth, or rather, from the Gators' jaws, by talking to Mike White while also getting Chris Harry's take as well. In addition, we'll chat with Florida softball star Kelsey Stewart as the top-ranked Gators open conference play this weekend. But first, we promised you Mike White, and now it's time to deliver. In a wide-ranging conversation about his first season at Florida and life on the bubble, we asked Coach White about the mindset of his team heading to the SEC tournament in Nashville.
2: I hope the mindset is hunger. We're a team that was in a really good position a month ago, and We've not taken advantage of some opportunities that we had. Um, We're in a much better mindset than we were coming off a a win on the road at Missouri. It it got us back some health, you know, uh, it, it stopped the bleeding. I think our guys understand that we continue to have opportunities ahead for us. And they know that when we're playing as well as we can play, we're competitive with most teams that we'll face moving forward. So I think we're in a pretty good spot right now. We understand that we've got work ahead, but also opportunity and, um, I think
1: we're eager to, to get back to work. You mentioned the position you were in a month ago relative mm-hmm. to where you are now. What did you see change during that time? Where did this team maybe lose its way mm-hmm. and then start to find itself again?
2: I think more than anything, we, the schedule just caught up with us. You know, We've never been a dominant team, especially offensively this year. We've had some really, really good defensive games. We've had a couple let-ups here and there. But more than anything, it's been our schedule. You know, Before the Missouri game, we had four very difficult games that just lined up that way coincidentally with our schedule we had a we had a very tough non-conference schedule top 10 in the country i believe and then our conference schedule is one of the toughest in the country as well in that uh, the teams that, that we played twice are really good which provided uh, opportunities but also it provided challenges and those four in a row that we lost were we playing much worse than we were playing in some of our wins i don't think so um we dipped a little bit defensively but it's some of that is you're playing really good offenses vanderbilt and kentucky came in here and and Just put it on us with really potent offenses that really played well that night, uh, and then you lose games at LSU, uh, who's extremely talented, of course, with the best player in the country. Um, where we played really well offensively, just couldn't seem to find stops, and then and then you lose that overtime in overtime, excuse me, at South Carolina, one of the best teams in our league. So those were the four right there. Just that part of the schedule is very, very difficult. If we had one or two of those, we'd be sitting pretty in a great situation. But uh, all we can do moving forward is is focus on on Arkansas at this point and and seeing if we can't extend our season.
1: There's so much talk about bracketology at this point. Joe Lenardi is probably the most popular guy in the country. Everybody's asking him what he thinks, who's in, who's out. How much attention do you pay to that, Mm -hmm. and how do you address that, if at all, with your team? First of all, I look at it. I think any coach that tells you he's not looking at it.
2: It'd be hard. It's hard for me to believe that they're not. I think you can look at it as a, as a fan of the game and not have focus on it. You know, I, I looked at it first thing this morning. I'm gonna look at it again tomorrow morning. You <laughs> professional, yeah, but I also understand if we don't play well against Arkansas, none of it, none of it matters. And if you're sitting there worried about it, you're taking away from your your preparation for Arkansas. Um, so it's literally you know 30 seconds a day where you'll peek at it uh with our guys uh, we've gone through a lot of trial and error with with these guys with this specific team offensively defensively with in terms of motivation in terms of how we prepare them mentally for for big picture for the next game We've tried addressing the tournament and talking a bunch about it, and, and I'm not sure it was in our best interest, and we've tried ignoring it. Right now, in terms of the, t- the trial error <laughs> scenario, we're, uh, we're ignoring it. We're just putting all of our emphasis on, on Arkansas being the Super Bowl for us, just being a game that, um, again, is a very big opportunity as an improved team and putting all our, our emphasis and focus on how to defend them and, and how we can score against them.
1: When you look back now at the full season as a whole, at least the regular season, what do you think have been the biggest adjustments for you and your staff coming from Louisiana Tech to the challenges of being here? Well, I think the, the obvious is
2: just getting to know 15 guys that you didn't know. I take that back 14 because we brought Justin Leon with us. Just all of the unknown going into the summer, going into the season. We're sitting here on, on 18 wins. If, if I would have known these guys as, you know, as well as, in November as I do now and would have done some things differently would we add a few more wins probably you know it's a, again it's you go through a process with guys that you don't necessarily know very well you're getting to know them better there's a bunch of trial and error there's a bunch of uh experimentation offensively defensively over time you you find out how to push guys buttons collectively you figure out how to which buttons you glad you pushed which ones you kind of regret pushing Um, So that's just been the obvious with my staff and I. It's been getting to know this situation, this program, this team specifically. It's taken time. But, you know, over the past couple weeks, I feel like we've fallen into something a little bit offensively. We're in more of a rhythm than we've been all year. Uh, And we've got to get back to to defending at the level at which we did at A&M, at Michigan State versus West Virginia in some of those games. And if you could somehow find that defensive team with the offensive team we've seen as of late, other than converting at a higher level from three and from the the foul line, I think you've got a really good team there. That's the ceiling for this team. Whether or not we reach it remains to be seen, but that's what we're shooting for.
1: With a first-year coach, everyone always says, well, this is what they inherited, but it's not necessarily what they're going to look like in the future. Mm -hmm. How do you compare this team right now in the makeup to what you envision this being long-term? That's a very difficult question. We're going to
2: continue to try to recruit the best players possible. I don't want to say I've given up on selling out to pressing, but I'm not as convicted in it because we've this team has shown that you can have a lot of success without having to rely on pressing and, and creating a bunch of turnovers. But I would like to do that. I, I'd like to get to the point again if it's in that particular team's best interest to press. Deep down, I'm I'm a pressing guy. I'd like to press. I'd like to run. Although we have run a bunch offensively as of late, you know, transition offense has been a, a big strength of ours. So we, we want to continue to play fast here at Florida. Florida. We want to get to where we can press more. Again, we'll take every team and evaluate that team individually, but that's
1: that's what we'd like to do in a perfect world. Dodo has been the heart and soul of this team all mm-hmm. season long. Can you talk about the way you've seen him evolve as a leader and how his voice has really changed?
2: Sure. Yeah, Dorian has been um, definitely our glue guy, a guy that... Um, We've tried to involve as much as anyone offensively and play through at different times during the season. We've had three, four-game stretches where we really played through him. Some of that, again, some of those were correct decisions, and a few of those decisions, now knowing your team a little bit better, you regret. But he's brought it every day. He's from everything that I hear from our support staff that know Dorian more than I know Dorian. It's been his most consistent year. He's a guy that demands respect from his teammates. He loves his teammates, and they love him. He's he's just one of those guys. When when he he walks in the gym, you can see the the younger guys uh, revere him. You know to a certain extent, and he's he's grown with his leadership communication. He's communicating more now than he did early in the year. But I think he's more. He's even more of a uh, leader by example, where um, the guys just follow what he does. He, he's just um, he's one of those guys. He's got those leadership instincts that are just instilled in him. What he does for the most part, other guys follow and and they do. Uh, and it's. A It's a strong
1: characteristic. Which players do you think you've seen grow the most from Mm. day one to now?
2: I thought Chris Chiozza was our most improved player. He's definitely one of them. He had a stretch in the middle of the season where he was terrific there for about a month. He really made a a surprising jump that we thought we wouldn't be seeing for another year or two. Now he's coming off a game at Missouri where he was equally as effective for us. He's got to be in the conversation. Uh, Johnny Boone, the way that he's finished here at, as of late, he's got to be in the conversation. Uh, but I would, I would have to give it if I, if if you could only give it to one guy, I'd give it to Devin Robinson. I think Devin has really come a long way. Devin's a guy that um, early in workouts I thought would struggle to find playing time. What he's learned to do is simply play very, very hard and to go with his God-given ability, his his um, height and length, reach, his hands, his touch. At six eight, six nine. He's learned how to really push himself and get out of his comfort zone, be a, a killer on the offensive glass, fly around, get his hands on balls, get deflections. He's running the court a lot harder. He's defending at a higher level, and he's gotten to the point where he's not only earned playing time, but he's gotten to the point where when he's playing well, it's hard to take him out of the game.
1: You beat Arkansas almost a month ago here in Gainesville. Mm. How much do you take away from that game and what transpired when you go into this game here in Nashville? A bunch, a bunch. I mean, we'll we'll watch our last two or
2: three games, and we'll continue to watch those games and learn from those games. And we'll watch Arkansas's last three, four five games and take what we can from those games. But for the most part, we'll study that game as much as as any game, just uh, how they defended us, how we defended them, what we did right, what we did wrong, uh, simple things that we can not only talk to our guys about, but show them on film. Our guys will watch more film at Arkansas here over the next three days than, than they watched all year. Um, we can take a ton from that game. There's a lot that, that we did well and there's a lot that we can do better, and uh, specifically with defending their their big three in uh, Kingsley, Bell, and, and Hannes.
1: When you look at the work you have to do to get to the NCAA tournament, that's what people look at the SEC tournament for. They say, okay, this is mm-hmm. how many wins you have to get to get in. Yeah. How important is it to you and to this program to get back to the NCAA tournament? Oh, it's huge. It's the ultimate goal for our staff.
2: We asked our guys, heck, probably a month ago you guys tell us what you want to do do we want to go to tournaments? tournament Is that our biggest goal and led by dorian finney smith that was that was the answer yes so it's everyone's focus but again we can't focus on that big picture because it's out of our control if we had won a few more we could maybe talk more about it think more about it um but we're, we're one of those bubble teams where it's going to come down to those those people in that room and in that committee making those decisions as much say so uh, or as much information as, as some of these other guys may provide you it's it's not even worth thinking about or reading because it's not even up to them and if we don't continue winning games uh, we know we won't be part of that conversation so for us simply it's it's about
1: beating the hogs how can we beat the hogs on thursday this time of year you hear more people talking about resumes than at the uf career fair but these are basketball season profiles we're stacking up and the application is for a ticket to get on the road to the final four After claiming a must-have win on the road Saturday at Missouri, FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry says they proved they could correct a season-long issue.
3: Well, what's impressive is, is that they were able to just Get out of the box so fast on the road, and again, yes, this is the last place team. But if I'm Missouri, hey, here comes a wounded Florida. This is a chance for let's hit them early and get some done. Well, those roles were reversed. The Last few games in the post game, guys just kept saying, "We need to just win a game." All right, you got to win. And at the same time, I think also uh, this team needed Cristillosa to play well in a game because he was he was spiraling a little bit and uh, was really struggling to shoot. And he comes out, he makes five of his eight shots. He scores 17, grabs seven rebounds. Gets eight assists, only one turnover. His assist-to-turnover ratio was starting to get a little sideways, and so he fixed some things. Now he fixed them against not a great backcourt, but this is all about confidence at this point, and right now this is all about momentum, and Florida needed as much momentum as it, as it could possibly get. Heading into the SEC tournament in Nashville, now uh, where do you go from here? You're, you're at 18-13. There's nothing you can do about what's behind you now. You kind of reset a little bit, but the situation, Adam, hadn't changed a whole lot. You still got to win games, got to win more games.
1: And you got to start by being Arkansas on Thursday. It's a team that Florida beat in Gainesville about a month ago. But it wasn't easy, and it was a game that got much, much closer later as it went, and the defense sort of sagged.
3: Yeah, Florida was in control of the game with about three minutes to go, four minutes to go. Uh, really, the, the three point defense, you got to give credit to Arkansas. They had some guys who started bombing in some threes. I want to say they hit five or maybe even six in the last three minutes of the game to make that a very close game. And, you know, Florida ends up hitting a bunch of free throws down the stretch. They were, think, 30, 36 from the free throw line for that game could kind of ice it away. After that game, Florida was 15-7 and seven and 6-3 and three in the Southeastern Conference. And then they go to Kentucky, and I don't know if these teams saw some stuff from what Florida was doing relative to guarding the three-point line, but they went to Kentucky and things started to go downhill from that, especially defensively. And Mike White is all about defense it's about defending and having that defense uh turn into offense and that's what florida got away from for the last month but arkansas is a favorable matchup i think that's a pretty good first round game if you're if you're a fan just sitting there with nothing to care about But florida has to win the game there's no question about that
1: last week's game against kentucky was the last one in the o-dome as we know it today and and you've covered so many games there over so many years you wrote a piece that was on floridagators.com which people can still check out 36 great games in 36 years. What are you going to remember most about that building as it currently exists?
3: Well, again, yeah, I picked out 36 games over 36 years, not one a year over that time, but I was at the University of South Florida as a student when the the Sun Dome opened, and they were built by the same people, and I remember going to games early on in the Sun Dome, and then coming up here to Florida games, and it was almost the same building except bigger, and with better teams playing in it, obviously, (laughs) with better opposing teams playing in it, and uh, in that piece, I kind of spotlighted Five games. I started with the very first game against East Tennessee State in the O'Connell Center. I believe the date was December 30th, 1980. Famous game, LSU, came in there with Chris Jackson, and when he still has the Odom record, scored 53 points as a freshman. I think his first collegiate road game. Billy Donovan, first time he beat Kentucky in 1998, his first NCAA tournament team. That one really stuck at I me. Mean, I was sitting at press row for that game when Teddy DuPay jumps up on the press row table and starts dancing to the fans and partying kind of with the Rowdies. And six weeks earlier, Kentucky had beaten Florida by 35 points at Rupp Arena. And here comes the defending national champions, and Florida wins. Oh, of course, the Ohio State game when Greg Oden came in, and a lot of people were already pointing that game, hey, this, I believe Ohio State was number two, Florida's number three. This could be a national championship preview game. And it turned out, being, and Florida won both games. But by far, my number one moment at the Odom, Adam, is watching those four seniors in 2014 close out Kentucky by 19 points, close out a perfect 18. And know SEC season, I believe it was twenty-fifth game in a row in front of uh, one of the biggest crowds in history, and just watch the appreciation and adulation for what those guys had accomplished. Four seniors that came in together and really grew and kind of defined what college athletics is about. I mean, you so much now with the with the one and done, and so these guys were program guys. They came in and they played, and they won more games than any class, senior class, in in the history of the school. And to see, I remember at the end, they all took one step, unison step, off the O'Connell Center floor together, and that was right after they all went down at midcourt and kissed the center court. That, to me, was the was the greatest moment. I think a lot of people who were there that day probably would say the same thing.
1: And that team was the last Gator team to make the NCAA tournament. It right. went all the way to the Final Four. Now this team is trying to get back there, and as we kind of reset things going into this SEC tournament, What's your outlook on what Florida has to do in order to sneak in the big dance?
3: In the abstract, Adam, you know, beat Arkansas. Then the next game you're getting Texas A&M on a bye. Texas A&M is the co-SEC champion. and You beat them. Okay. Now that's two wins that you've piled on. Now you got twenty wins. You've beaten the champion in the league on a neutral floor. Now they can go back and start going through stuff. They see that West Virginia game, they see the win over Saint Joe's and the resume looks a lot better. But it begins and ends with another rematch against Arkansas and then you see what happens. You know, Texas A and M hasn't fared particularly well in their few SEC tournaments since they joined the league. Florida's going to be the desperate team. It's going to come down to defense and shot making, of course, but nothing really, really matters at all except for that first game Thursday.
1: As most who have attained great levels of success can attest, it's tough to remain on top. But that hasn't stopped the Gators softball team, currently number one in the nation following back-to-back national titles. One of the constants throughout the remarkable run has been a senior class as accomplished as any in the history of Gator athletics. With the highly anticipated one-versus-three showdown set to open conference play this weekend at Auburn, we asked the reigning SEC Player of the Year Kelsey Stewart how their challenging non-conference competition has set them up for a strong run in the SEC.
0: I definitely think, like, Playing a harder schedule in preseason, like SEC, every single time you step on the field, you're playing a ranked team now. So like just going out there and knowing we can beat the best of the best and then coming back knowing we're going to play SEC and that's postseason teams, you know, and really what we have to do better to get better for the postseason.
1: You guys had a really interesting road last year. You get Kentucky and Super Regionals. You play almost all SEC teams once you get to Oklahoma City. How have you seen the SEC really grow during your time here?
0: Yeah, I think my freshman year, there's maybe one or two SEC teams, and now we take up the World Series. So I think that we're just growing, and softball isn't just on the West Coast anymore. It's a Florida thing. It's an Alabama thing. It's normal for teams in the South, too.
1: By that same token, this program has really changed a lot during your time here, and your class was sort of the turning point where Tim Walton said, I want to be faster. I want to be better on defense, and that's the way that we're going to win. How have you sort of seen that evolve during your time here?
0: Yeah I think that like you have people like Taylor and Aubrey who are defense specialists you know and they can hit too but like when you think of Aubrey and Taylor you think defense you know because they're so amazing there and then you have me and Kirsty who are super fast and you have Fuller who does a little bit of both so I think like with our class we brought every aspect of it freshman year to senior year we've grown as a class and we've grown together and now like we know what it takes to win a championship.
1: You have also had some interesting transitions of your own here as a senior, playing shortstop a lot now compared to second base. What's that been like for you? How challenging has that been?
0: Yeah, it was really hard at first playing short, but I think now it's just an adjustment. I was the shortstop on the other side of the base for three years, so now I'm just actually the shortstop with the name. So I think it's just a little different. I have to control the field. There's younger players around me. And I don't have like Katie to look to my right to be like, hey, like, what do I need to do on that? I have to figure it out myself. But I think that it's really the same thing, just a longer thrill.
1: I don't know if Auburn or any of these other schools coming after you list and so I don't want to give away too many <laughs> secrets, but what is the secret sauce? I mean, how do you stay on top? How do you keep winning championships? What is it about this program that allows that to happen?
0: I think the main thing is like we just keep everything within our family, so if we have issues... Off the field, it's like no one knows about it. It stays with here. You know, we figure it out. We're trying to win every inning, every pitch. We're not worried about the big picture yet. So, like, once we win the first pitch, okay, like let's win the second pitch. Let's win the first inning, then second inning, and then pretty soon before you know it, you won the game.
1: For a while, it seemed like no one could talk about winning national championships. And then earlier this year, before the season, you lead the team out on the court during a basketball game and tell the fans, hey, come <laughs> out. We want to see you guys there for a home opener as we go for the three-peat. How much of your senior year is now embracing the challenge of doing something so unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I think that my senior class never had a problem saying that we wanted to win a national championship. Like that was for our class, that was something expected to like, I remember the first year we won it, coach was like, what are your goals this year? And be flat out was like, we're winning a national championship. Like what else do you want from us kind of thing? But I think now it's like, we've said it, like in order for it to happen, you have to speak it into existence.
1: How have you seen coach Walton change during your time here? He's personally become yeah. much different guy from where he was five, six years ago. What have you seen as far as his evolution as a
0: coach? Yeah, he's a little softy now. I think. <laughs> no, um, I think from my freshman year to now, he's kind of got his own goals. I think we've accomplished his own personal goals as a coach, so now he can relax and have fun. And now I feel like he doesn't have as much pressure on his shoulders. And like, now we kind of like, coach, we got you. Like, you got us, we got you now, like relax. So I think just like him being more personable with us, like we always have each other's back.
1: I asked him this question a few weeks ago, and I'm curious how your answer compares, but when you've already won a championship, And then you've done it again and you're on top. What motivates you to keep going? What is the carrot to continue striving for?
0: I definitely think that maybe there's always a team out there that thinks they're still better than you. And it's kind of like, well, like what are we going to do to make sure they know we're still better than them? So I think every single day it's like pushing yourself to be better. And then, you know, I also want the younger kids to experience what I experienced. Freshmen haven't won a national championship. And the feeling of holding a trophy up at the very end, like after all your six ands, after all the games you've won, your losses, like the whole thing, it's like one of the best feelings I've had as a softball player. So like when I look at them and I see like how bad they want it, it makes me want it just as bad for them.
1: It's remarkably similar to his answer, actually. You guys are well-coached on this. When you look at where you are now in your career and part of this senior class has accomplished so much, what do you guys talk about in terms of your legacy? How much does that come up for what you're trying to leave for the next group and the group after that?
0: We talked about it more I think at the beginning of the year, but now it's like season so now it's put in the work and the legacy would be left for us. Like we won't have to talk about it, it won't have to be said, like people will know like what our legacy is and I think that we're just trying to really go hard every single day, you know, just making sure everyone knows we're gonna work hard. We're trying to win a national championship, but how are we gonna do that? And we're gonna do it through our work ethic and through the little things of softball and even outside the field, just getting along with each other and really loving the gator program so i think yeah we want to leave a legacy but like we don't want it to be said like we don't want this senior class to, like this is our legacy we want other people to think of our senior class and be like that's their legacy
1: you've accomplished so many things here personally you've set so many records you continue to pursue a number of them how much pressure do you feel to keep hitting new highs and breaking records and staying on such a ridiculous pace
0: At the beginning of the year, I was really, really pressured. I felt like, but now, like I think I went through like ten games with like two hits or something crazy like that. Where then I knew like my teammates really had my back. Like there's 18 other girls on the team, and we were still winning, and I wasn't producing. So just knowing that 18 other girls had my back, it like opened my eyes. So I was able to really like sit back and be like, I don't have to do everything. Like my teammates have my back. I just have to do me and let everyone else do them, and we're gonna
1: win what we want. Is there a record you have that maybe means the most to you, or something that you look at and you say that? the thing I'm most proud of as far as your individual accomplishments?
0: I would probably say the hits record just because I actually didn't know like that was like a big thing until like I'm like wow like I'm 50th ahead of everyone like that's really weird but I think like that one just because that means I'm getting on base I'm doing the little things for my team that we needed to do to win in the past.
1: When you look back at your time here and there's obviously still hopefully more great memories to come what are your best memories of your time here at Florida?
0: My best memories are probably like the little things off the field. Going to the pool or having parties with the girls. Like, I wouldn't say it's softball related because, of course, winning the national championship two in a row, it's like a memory in itself. That can never be taken away from us. But I think just like the little things, just knowing like I'm going to have lifelong friends that I never thought I would have after this is probably the best thing.
1: In addition to what you've done at Florida, you've also been playing with the U.S. national team. In what ways is it similar? What ways is it different?
0: I think um, it's a lot different because I don't think the level of competition is. As good as it is in college, like you're playing the best of the best every weekend, I feel. And in international, you might play somebody that's throwing 40 and doesn't know how to field a ground ball. And then wearing shorts instead of pants or, you know, just little things like that.
1: Which one's better, shorts or pants?
0: Pants. You know, mess up your legs <laughs> in shorts.
1: <laughs> so playing with USA Softball, you've gone a lot of different places. What's the coolest place you've ever been with softball?
0: I really liked Italy. When we got there, there's like their portions were way smaller. And I was like, I don't know how this is supposed to fill me up. I don't know. And like they did things that were way different. Like they literally wine and dine. Like I was like, the service is so bad here. But like, no, like you drink water for 30 minutes and talk to people. Then you get your appetizer for an hour then you order. So it was like a lot different and people were very personable which is way different from here. But then when I went to Japan, we ate rice, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and all I wanted was McDonald's, so that (laughs) is why I'm not a fan of Japan.
1: (laughs) What's been the biggest adjustment for you going from growing up in Kansas to spending four years here in Gainesville, Florida?
0: When I was playing travel ball, I traveled all around. So, like, the summer, I probably saw my parents for two weeks, because I was in California, then I was in Florida, then I was in New York. Like, I never had, like, a day off. But the biggest adjustment is not having my parents. Like, not knowing I'll go back and I'll have a home-cooked meal. And I had to go back and I have to do my own laundry and I have to make my own meal. So, like, just knowing my mom's out there to take care of me, I guess. But uh, my parents are here a lot during season, so, like, I don't really have a chance to miss them.
1: How many times has someone said to you in your life, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore?
0: <laughs> Way too many times. Like, now I hear that joke and I'm like, it's not even funny anymore. Like, give it up, you know, like... Dorothy jokes are over, like, move on.
1: (laughs) That movie came out in the 30s. Let's move on from it. Final thing for you. What do you think is going to be the key to this team continuing to have success and maybe going all the way for a third championship?
0: I definitely think our pitching is out of the water. So I definitely think if they just continue their wave that they're doing right now, and like if one person's not hot, the next person's hot, and if both of them are hot, one another person's hot. like you know. And even if all three of them are not hot, making sure our defense is on point, and then what comes with that is making sure we score runs. Just doing the little things, bunting people over, sack flies, all those things that make you successful. I think you have to score runs, and you have to pitch well, and that's how you win a championship.
1: And that's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode where we can hopefully bring you NCAA tournament previews for both men's and women's basketball. Make sure to subscribe to Gator Tales on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so that you don't miss that or any other editions of the official podcast of the Gators. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in Music City.